I wanted to gather you. I wanted to bring you together. I wanted to bring you close to me. You would not. In 2023, do you see how this applies to many people in our life? The grace of God, the mercy of God, so powerful and so prevalent. And, and, and God will just reach anybody. You know, it doesn't matter how somebody comes in here. It doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter their past, all their failures, what they've done, and all, all of these things. They can come as they are. Now, they should not leave the same as they are, but they can all come because God wants to gather everyone. But there's many that would not in this society and in this life. There's more that would not than would. And it's God's desire to gather all of them, but they would not. And he said, because of that, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. It's left unto you desolate. I would have done this, but you would not. I'm so thankful for the grace of God, the mercy of God. That I said yes, that I did. Even though at times I was rebellious, and even though at times I rejected him, he, he kept after me, and, and I did, and, and I hope I always will. You know, I, I, I saw this thing, this quote uh, in the last few days. I don't remember where exactly what it was, but it said, I would rather you have made a mistake and recognized it and realized it and changed than to have done what you were supposed to have done and become arrogant about it. And uh, that, that was pretty interesting. And uh, so, so here Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. And who was it that laid siege, Brother Munden? I believe you said it. Um, what service got Titus. Titus. General Titus in the Roman army laid siege to the city of Jerusalem. Now this is what we just read a few minutes ago. Jesus told us well, long before this happened that this was going to happen and Titus laid siege on Jerusalem and, uh, and, and the city was totally destroyed. Why did this happen? This was the judgment of God upon this city and upon their sin and upon their rejection of him. Uh, the historian Joseph has said that the stone, some were 94 feet long, 13 feet thick, and 10 feet tall. And Jesus says, there, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be can't cut down or cast down. Hallelujah. So we've got the destruction of Jerusalem. Let me make sure I'm going the right way with this. Brother Steve's got it up there. Is that right? So, so, so Israel is destroyed, right? But then thousands of years into the future, and this is important for us to understand where we are and where we're heading. Thousands of years in the future, Jesus also, or the prophets also predicted or prophesied that Israel would come back together. If you look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel did not even know that it was going to be destroyed in his, in, in the in many years in the future, but he predicts a gathering back together. Let, let's look at this in Ezekiel 37, 21 and through 26. And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone, and I will gather them on every side. At first he says he's going to destroy 
or, or Jesus said he's going to destroy Jerusalem, but then all of a sudden now, here's the prophet thousands of years ago saying, I'm going to gather them on every side, and this is powerful, and bring them into their own land. No matter what has happened in the history of time, no matter who possessed the land, no matter who owned it, who lived there, who had possession, God said, this land belongs to them. And, and, and so, and here, here the prophet is saying he's going to bring them to their own land, and I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. One king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms anymore at all. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt. It wasn't, it wasn't going to satisfy God to give them another land, to find them a different land. This was the land he had given them already. And they shall dwell therein. Then they and their children and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. And it shall be an everlasting covenant. Have you ever thought about Israel and how it is surrounded by all these nations? That really and truly at the depth of what they want to do, they would rather destroy and wipe Israel off the face of the earth, truthfully. If, if you look at it, they're all, uh, they are all Muslim nations. And I mean, Iran would love nothing more than to just wipe out Israel. And, and all and these nations that are surrounding Israel, they're very powerful nations. And they have strong army and armies. And here is Israel sitting here surrounded by all of these Muslim nations. And in the midst of it, they are still strong. They, nobody has taken their land. They, they are, this prophecy has come, has come to pass. And he says, and I will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. Isaiah went on to say, Fear not, for I am with thee, and I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west, and I will say to the north, Give up, and to the south, Keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. This is a prophecy we see happening in the last hundred years. Prophesied thousands of years ago, but we see it happening in the last 100 years. Jeremiah 31 and 10 said, He that scattereth Israel will gather them. He that scattereth Israel will gather, gather them. God's grace and mercy is amazing. And it, when we reject Him and we run from Him, often He scatters, but then He loves us so much that if we'll draw back to Him, He gathers. And He shows us this with the nation of Israel as He gathered them back together and that Israel became a nation. Isaiah 11 and 12 says, And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcast of Israel. I like that. He shall assemble the outcast of Israel. Oftentimes I feel like the, the church, the apostolic church in the middle of the age that we live in with all of the unbelief and all of the watered down uh, denominationalism and everything. Uh, here, here's the apostolics in, in, in the middle. Uh, and, and sometimes I believe uh, God can take 
what's the outcast of life and make something very powerful out of them. I, I will, and he shall assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And I will gather you from among the nations and from all the places whither I've driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again unto the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. I had a, I was talking with a, a doctor and she, she was a Muslim and, uh, and we were just carrying on a conversation and she was talking about her family was from this area in Israel and they had, they owned farms in Israel, you know, years ago. And she said, but all of a sudden our family lost everything because uh, all, there was a return. She said, and these Israelites came and uh, the, these Jewish people came and took over our farms and our lands. But if you look at the scripture, at the word of God, whose land was that? It was Israel's land. But why? Because if God says it in the Word of God, it, we can fight against the Word of God all we want to, but God gave them that land. And, uh, and Israel became a nation May 15, 1948. Despite strong resistance from the Arab nations surrounding it and despite persistent conflict, it has continued to exist as a nation. Much like Amos said in 9, 14 and 15, I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel and I will plant them upon their land and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. God gave them this land. And it didn't matter how long they were without it, how long they were dispersed. What did he, His word is His word. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. And then we're, we're, we're kind of laying a foundation for understanding the times that we live in, the end times. And so we're, we're really going to break into the book of Revelations. But let's go back and do some history first. And we want to talk about Nebuchadnezzar's dream for just a moment. In Daniel 2, 31 through 33. Daniel 2. 31 through 33. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee. And the form thereof was terrible, and this image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, and his legs of iron, and his feet part of iron and part of clay. Now this is the prophet Daniel and, and speaking into the future into the future and it says in 2 and 47 and the king answered unto Daniel and said of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets see if thou couldst reveal this secret. So Nebuchadnezzar had this dream and what did Daniel do? He was a prophet of God. Well respected. He interpreted this dream. Now this dream was not just for this time. But this dream would foretell uh, well into the future. And uh, it, it would talk about the rise and fall of nations. It would talk 
about nations that influenced the world and culture and commerce, and they had victories and they had defeats, and archaeologists today are, are digging up ruins of some of these nations, but Nebuchadnezzar's dream, Daniel 2, 31, 3, 35, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon, and he reigned during the fall and captivity of the nation of Israel, and he had this dream that would foretell the events over the coming centuries, not just years, not just decades, centuries. Mighty kingdoms would be represented in this dream. Israel was in Babylonian captivity because of its backsliding. So, you know, we've got the blessings of God. We do, and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. But you can look through Israel. When Israel backslid, when Israel backslid, God, the, those promises were conditional. They were conditional upon the fact of us doing what we're supposed to do. Us loving His commandments. And that, that's love. And, and so Israel was in captivity because of its backsliding. I never want to backslide. I know we use that term and we pray for the backsliders. Israel would backslide, but then they would repent. You know, God, God would just let go and let that covering go and things would happen and life would happen. And, and then they would come running back to him. And God in his goodness and his grace and his mercy just received them back. Much, much like in the church when people walk away from him, you know, he, he's a loving God. But like we said Sunday, what about when this dispensation changes? What about when somebody has a heart attack and, and doesn't have miracles like we've experienced in this church lately? You know, what, what, what happens then? And, and so, so Israel was in captivity and Daniel, the prophet of God, starts to interpret this dream. And there's this, like this great metal man in this dream. I think this picture kind of shows it up there. It, it, it's, that's you know, what, what Nebuchadnezzar had described in Daniel's interpret, interpreting. The head was gold, the breast and arms were silver, the belly and the thighs brass, the legs were iron, and his feet made of clay. Uh, but a stone would strike this man, and, and the feet it would be broken into pieces, and the image would be destroyed and become like the chaff of the summer threshing floor which the wind carried away. And the stone then became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So Daniel interpreted this dream. The head, anybody know what the head was and who it represented? The head. Babylon. Babylon. And uh, the head of gold was Babylon, which ruled the Jews in the Middle East in that time from 606 B.C. to 538 B.C. Now, if you notice how these countries rise and fall, and, and, and this prophecy of these nations rising and falling. And it, I'm not saying get uncomfortable, but uh, I'm saying serve God and love God. Uh, Rome fell, and uh, Babylon fell, and all these nations fell. When disunity gets in, involved, when uh, these nations don't submit and surrender to God, uh, things happen. Amen. And uh, so the kingdom lasted from 606 to 538, and the city was a, a major influence, a beautiful place, one of the seven wonders of the world, 14 square miles, guarded by walls, 350 feet high and 87 feet thick. Seemed like it was impenetrable, didn't it? You know, nobody in that time was going to get through it. 
but over a million people in the city, and they never thought it would fall, but it did. And then the breast and arms of silver often most say represent Medo-Persian. In 583, Babylon fell to the Medes and the Persians, and Darius was the king. And the Persians eventually became dominant, so, so they rise. But then uh, the two arms was to last till 330 B.C., and then it fell. And then the belly and the thighs of brass. Anybody know what that is? Greece. Do you all have that on your paper? No, it's up there. Okay. Oh, man, y'all are, are great. That's awesome. Let's just move on, right? Y'all got this. But Alexander the Great came out of the West. Anybody hear of Alexander the Great in your history lessons? So he came out of the West, and Alexander, he conquered the Persian Empire in 330 B.C. So you've got to rise and you've got to fall. And after his death, the empire was divided into four parts and four generals, and the Grecian Empire lasted till 160. Anybody know who destroyed or, or overcame that Grecian Empire in 160? The Romans. The Romans. And uh, the legs of iron represented the Roman Empire, which lasted many centuries. Later years, it was divided into eastern and western division. And then the feet of iron and clay. Now we're, we're kind of moving forward. Lots of years, hundreds and thousands of years even from this vision. It would be a revived Roman Empire. The feet portray a revived Roman Empire. A ten nation confederacy represented by the ten toes in Daniel 7 and 7. The world power will rise on the territory of the original Roman Empire in the last days and during the time of the Antichrist will begin his rule of the world. All this will lead to what many term as the Great Tribulation when, uh, it, when all these things come upon the world and ultimately it would lead to the battle of Armageddon. Armageddon. But So who was the stone? Jesus was the stone. The stone that the builders rejected. That the coming of Jesus at the battle of Armageddon will destroy all the kingdoms of this world system. All, all these things that had risen up. Now, let's talk for a minute about the signs of the end time. When we look at Revelations, first of all, there's two major prophecy players, I believe, in the scripture. And that's Daniel and Revelations. Now, the whole thing, Genesis through Revelations, is very crucial and important. But Daniel and Revelations really gave a lot uh, to the end times. But also in the Gospels, Jesus was really clear on what the end times would be like. So I believe we need to have Matthew 24. We need to have an understanding of that like we've never understood before. Matthew 24 and 3, Jesus predicted the fall of Jerusalem. He tells us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of the coming of the world? Without looking at your notes, without looking at the screen, what are some of these things that Jesus would describe? Wars and rumors of wars. Earthquakes in diverse places. Famines. Family coming against each other. Let, let's, let's, look at, let's look at this. Matthew... 24. Take heed that no man deceive you. So what, what is that telling us right there? 
Why is it important for you to understand truth and doctrine and scripture and the love of God and be in church and be rooted and grounded in truth? Because the devil's what? Convincing. Absolutely. And take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. And you shall hear, somebody said, of wars and rumors of wars. What's going on? I mean, we've had wars and rumors of wars for years, but right now, I mean, there's a war going on and, and everybody is up and Russia's attacking Ukraine and, and there's threats. If you read the news that Russia wants to attack the UK and the West and they've got these missiles that all these rumors, rumors, it's not saying it's going to happen. There's wars, there are, but there's also rumors of wars. All you've got to do is uh, hop online to just about any news source, and they, they will tell you, especially if you're looking at things that are happening right now between Russia and the West and China and the West and Taiwan and, and, and those type of things that are going on. And there, there's In China, they were flying over and doing major, uh, major war games around Taiwan and they were basically a show of force and, and somewhat a threat against them. And Russia and China are, are like this. And, and then you've got America and, and the different nations that represent NATO. And it, it says there's gonna be wars and rumors of wars. But then he says, see that you be not troubled. Don't get upset about it. I know when I threw it out on Facebook today and I said we're going to be studying this, uh, automatic opinion by many is, ooh, that's scary. I, I, I don't necessarily want to go do that. But he says right here, you're going to hear this, don't, don't be scared. Don't let it trouble you. Don't let it bother you. Don't, don't let it about all this is going to happen. It, it's going it's going to happen. It's going to come. I, I read an article on, I believe it was, was it Sir Isaac Newton that was the uh, in, uh, inventor of calculus in the 1700s? Anybody know? Brother Money, you love news and facts. Any idea? I, I, I believe it was calculus that he invented. He was, a, he was very strong into physics. Lived in the 1700s. Alright, so when are we talking about? 300 years ago. He, he studied scripture. He studied the Bible. He also studied other religions. And then he used his physics and calculus that he created and came up with the fact that the world would end in 2060. Nostradamus? No, it was, this was Newton. Newton. Newton, yeah. And he predicted, based on physics and understanding of the scripture, that the world would not be able to continue. And then he said, and this was in 1700, he's telling me, well, people are getting up right. And I mean, he said this in 1708 or 1710. It's one thing then, you know, 300 years, but now it is getting closer and closer to 2060, right? So we're like, hold on. 
And, and, and But Jesus tells us no man is going to be able to say what the day is. But it's still pretty impressive when he looks at Scripture. One of the, a brilliant mind that created uh, calculus looks at Scripture also and says, this world should not be able to continue past this point. Why? Is it going to be 2060? Anybody? We're not going to know. Could it be 2060? It's possible. But the fact is, is Jesus coming back for his church? Absolutely. Yes, he is. He's coming back for his church. Take heed that no man deceive you. Why? Do you think people are going to be deceived? Do you think people are deceived in this hour and are being more deceived as we go on? Absolutely. And uh, it, it, so this is a, a very important foundation for our understanding of prophecy. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. I want you to think about it. Just, what, three or four years ago, three or four years ago, were we worried about Russia? No. They, they were spreading all their money out and spending all their money here. We weren't worried about them at all. And, and then now, all of a sudden, there's all this friction. Nations shall rise against nation. It, it's scriptural. All these things were going to happen, are going to happen. And, uh, and there shall be famines. If you look right now in Sudan and many of those nations, that more of the world is hungry than is full. And then it says in pestilences. Have we got any workings with pestilences? Mosquitoes. COVID. I mean, COVID is just a start to some of the pestilences that are going to come upon this world. And, uh, it, and then it goes on and says earthquakes in diverse places. I've responded to multiple earthquakes. There's earthquakes again and there's earthquakes, but not just in the general places, but there's been a lot of earthquakes in unusual places. It says all these are the beginning of sorrows. This is the beginning. And then it says in verse 9, they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And many shall be offended. Now look what happens when somebody gets offended. Uh, great peace have they that love thy law. And in it nothing shall offend them. When I get offended, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I mean, I, I, I deal with offense. We all do. But when I get offended, I know something's wrong. If, if things people do or say to me, just gets me riled up and I find myself doing that regularly I, I've got some issues and I'm not saying bad issues I've got some issues I've got some unforgiveness in me alright I'm upset I'm, I, I'm, or, or stressed out or what, whatever it is but I, I don't, I don't want to get offended easily amen And uh, because when people get offended this is what happens they betray each other they betray. This is the word of God. This is scripture. And uh, they betray each other and shall hate one another. And, and that's not scriptural. That's not, I mean, it is scriptural that it will happen, but that's not for us. We're not supposed to hate each other or anyone else. We're supposed to love each other. And not just, it's easier for us to love everybody in here because we go to church together. We have the same 
you know, foundational beliefs. We love God. We love the Word of God. It's easier for us to love each other. But it's not only that. We've got to love people that don't love us. Amen. And, and so then they shall deliver you up, uh, and you shall hate one, or they shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise. There's nothing like offense to allow a false prophet to rise up. Somebody said one time, it's like a dog licking somebody's wounds. If, if you need your wounds licked, you'll find somebody to say what you need them to say. But I need the Word of God. Amen. I need the Word of God. Hallelujah. Uh, famines and pestilences in verse 7. And then verse 38. Somebody, you got that close by? Anybody? Yeah, verse 38. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Party time. Mary, giving in marriage. Mary, getting a divorce, getting married again, another divorce, married again. I'm not saying things don't happen, but not thinking anything about it. Not thinking anything about it. Not only that, what other kind of marrying and giving in marriage in this day that we live in? Same-sex marriage. She said homosexuality, those things. They're, they're marrying and giving in marriage. And, and, and do you want to know why there's just such a fight to accept that and to approve those things? Because it, the Bible said that was going to happen. They were marrying and giving in marriage. Spirit of the age, absolutely. The times that we live, it, we find in the day we live, every one of these things that Jesus said was going to happen, happening. We're not supposed to be worried or scared or fearful, though, right? But we're supposed to be wise. We're supposed to be looking out. We're supposed to know these things. Marrying and giving in marriage. 50% uh, of our marriages in the U.S., I believe, fall. And, uh, and then Paul tells us about the last day, 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 5. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Y'all help me out. What's that? Somebody define that quick. Hmm? Who's that? No, I'm good. You're good? <laughs> I was going to say, when you're lovers of your own self, that means that you are uh, keeping yourself righteous, you're so into yourself, you're not focused on what God wants you to focus into yourself. Into yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Conceited. Yes. Yeah. Conceited. What is a Dr. Parks? <laughs> Narcissist. Have y'all heard the term narcissist used a lot? There's more people that are, is it narcissistic or narcissist? Narcissist. There's more people that are narcissistic in this age than used to be because they, what? They love themselves. If you love yourself too much, you're not going to love God. You're not going to love others, right? And, and the next one, covetous. What's covetous? Somebody else. Hmm? Long guided. You want everything you see. Man, if, if there's not an age with with marketing and marketing on social media, I mean, you go look at something. 
on Amazon or some website, you check out, I don't know, some, some new shoes. And, and then all of a sudden, man, those new those same new shoes keep popping up on whatever. If you're on Facebook or Twitter, it just keeps happening. How does that happen? Read your mind. And AI. Isn't that right? That's the one place. We, we're supposed to stay away from AI, right? And uh, so, so, so covetous, wanting everything, and, and, and people are going to go into that. Boasters. Oh, yeah. yeah. Boasting. Absolutely. I, I, I'm in control. Look at me, right? Look, look at all I'm doing, all I've done. And then uh, proud. What goes before destruction? Pride goes before destruction and the Holy Spirit for a fall. And uh, incontinent, not restrain, not, not willing to restrain yourself. You know, when we fast each year, we should fast more than once a year, but as a church body, as the entirety, when we do do our collective fast, we we are putting ourselves under restraint, right? We're, and, and, and this is people that would have no restraint, and they're going to do whatever they want to do and desire to do. And uh, disobedient or proud blasphemers are going to turn their, but we talked about blasphemer Sunday, didn't we? And then disobedient to parents. Have you ever? We've lived a while now. Most of us, in, most of us in here. Have you ever seen a time that this has been like it is now? I'm, I'm, it's disobedient to parents. Unthankful. What is that? Not appreciative of anything. You ever done something for somebody and they're like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Unthankful. Now, without gratitude, absolutely. Unholy. Unholy. Don't want anything religious. Yeah. If you told them to come out from among the, of the world and be a separate, but don't know. No, and uh, this holy, godly, and, and, and this is, they would be unholy and ungodly, and they would not be willing to change. And then without natural affection, anybody want to, uh, to tackle that? You know what that is? We talked about it. What, what, is, what is it, though? would be what the affection that a husband has for his wife or that a wife has for her husband. Unnatural affection. Pornography would describe unnatural affection and, and all of the things. And, and that just becomes this vicious, uh, vicious hole 
that, that people go down because when they start into it, it's one thing, but then all of a sudden they got to keep going deeper and deeper and deeper into that hole in, in order to have the same. Uh, if you've ever read some of the stuff from Covenant Eyes, it's very interesting. Uh, Covenant Eyes, the filtering service for the internet, uh, which is pretty awesome. I mean, there, there's a lot of them out there, though. I think Brother Munden has one. But it, it protects your children from some of these things and some of these places that they teach without natural affection. They're, they're telling you, they're telling your children there is a movement uh, all over that is trying to get us to release, uh, to lessen uh, laws in different places in the world that to lessen those laws to where uh, child uh, unusual things with children become acceptable and uh, and that I've, I've read articles on that even as of recent and, and, and it just feels what Paul is talking about right here uh, in false accusers incontinent uh, not restraining from physical appetite, fierce, truce breakers, despisers of those that are good. Anybody want to grab that one? What's that? Brother Duvall? How about how to portray fathers as being goofballs? All the fathers, they just push over goofballs. They're stupid. They don't know nothing. Laugh at the dad, you make the Christian did, I'm not saying the Christians are wrong or they hadn't done, 
but I'm saying they're taking a spotlight and really attacking uh, people that are living for God, people that are just trying to be holy, that are just trying to make it. And, and, and it's almost like a lot of Christians are just like, you know, let, let's pray and let us, let us do what we're called to do. And it, it's kind of like there's this bombardment from the world if you're trying to do what's right, that they're going to attack you. Can I get an amen? amen. And, uh, and, and heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Today, the I, I, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with any recreation specifically. But... Society has catered to recreation so much that number one in people's lives that used to be the church and living for God and loving God, now that's kind of fallen down the list. And what are we going to do Sunday is going to be more important than where are we going to go Sunday. And, and, and I'm not saying a, a, a few times or anything like that, but I'm talking about if you look at football right now, it is just, I mean, billions of, millions of dollars at least. And, and everybody attends these Sunday cathedrals and they worship at what, I, I'm not, like I said, saying anything against anything specific, but I'm talking about recreation. I'm talking about uh, lover. I'm talking about lovers of pleasures more. It, it doesn't say there's something wrong with some of these things. It says when you love these things more than you love God, then there's a problem. And a lot of people love these things more than they love God. And I'm not just talking about football or baseball or basketball. I, I mean, it can be camping and fishing and. All these other things. There, there may not be anything wrong with this pleasure, but you've got to keep certain things in moderation that they don't become an idol that you worship. Hallelujah. One of my friends was an Ohio State Buckeyes fan. Big, big Ohio State Buckeyes. Any, any Ohio State Buckeyes? And, and, and so I was in Columbus with him. Isn't that where Ohio State is? I, I was in Columbus with him, and, and it was at our, our general conference meeting that we had. And he was telling me, he was like, did y'all go by our uh, church? And I was like, and, and he, he's a preacher, a pastor, but he's cut up too. And I was like, your church, what are you talking about? He said, did you go by our cathedral? <laughs> what do you mean our cathedral? your church and, and I wasn't buying into it and he was like no nah, and he showed, told me where it was he was talking about Ohio State's football stadium he was like that's where we worship on Saturdays and, uh, and, and he's probably right on that I mean but some people are into that a whole lot more than into the other things having a form of now listen to this when it talks about that it, it's, it says having a form of godliness a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. So, so a lot of people, uh, I'm a Christian, I love God, and, and, but when you start talking about this day and time that we live in, well, I had one man, I, I, I don't want to know about any hellfire and brimstone things. You know, I, 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 I don't want to hear about that. 
And uh, it's so people are going to have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. They're going to be Christians. They're going to say they're Christians. They're going to say they love God, but then do they? Paul gave a direct warning. What did he say about this? From such, turn away. So we are going to have to become so devout that God is first, that we love God, and will there be at times things and people that you have to turn away from? Will there be convictions that you didn't have that God will develop in you as you grow closer to Him? Will there be things that He asks you to let go of that maybe you did for years and years and He's like, you know what? If you want to be closer to me, you got to let go of that. And if you say no, what happens? What does that become? That becomes more an idol. It becomes more something you're putting in. You're loving that more than you're loving God. Has God ever asked you to give something up for Him? Has He ever asked you to stop doing something for Him? Or has He ever asked you to start doing something for Him? And, and, and so with that, we've got to love Him. In, in the hour that we live, we are in the end time. And then the last uh, part of tonight's lesson is that Jesus comes for His church. we got to know that. We've got to understand that. We've got to grab a hold of that, that Jesus is coming back for His church. Hallelujah. In verse 13 of Thessalonians 4, concerning the dead, we are not to sorrow as one without hope. Man, if we, if I as the pastor started following and obeying what Thessalonians says, I remember one time we had an evangelist here and his mother had passed away and I was in pain. I was like, man, you, you need to go. I mean, this was that was that day and he was preaching revival that night. I was like, I can preach, you know. <laughs> and he looked at me, or his wife looked at me and said, Brother Crestview, I'm going to tell you what he thinks. I don't know what's that. Let the dead bury the dead. How many of us would have gotten offended really quick if somebody told us that? And, and, and so, concerning the dead, we're not sorrows one without, without hope. I, I, if something happened to somebody, guess what? Especially if they're a person of faith. I, I mean, Brother Wilson, I know his son's here. We love him. We love him dearly. But guess what? He was ready to go. He wanted to go. And he was excited about going. And he would not want you sorrowing about what happened, about his death because that was his life. Billy, I hope you don't mind me mentioning that. But but concerning the dead, we are not the sorrow as one without hope. Why? Because we have hope. We have hope in eternal life. We have hope in resurrection power. We have hope that we are going to live in eternity. Hallelujah. Because Jesus rose again, He will raise the dead in Christ also. Verse 14. 
So, so the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Like I was saying Sunday, all of a sudden, uh, all these saints that went before us, they're going to rise up and they're going to meet us in the air. Amen. And the Lord Himself will descend from heaven, verse 16, and there will be a heavenly shout with the voice of the archangel included and the trump of God will sound. And then those who died after living their lives for Jesus will be the first ones to rise up. Amen. That's what commitment has. That's what commitment does. That's what living for God for years and years and years and doing the will of God and the plan of God does. Those that uh, died or, and lived their lives for Jesus will be raised first and the living saints will be caught up together with the ones that died in the clouds as and we're all going to meet the Lord in the air, never to be parted again. Never to be parted again. Hallelujah. And then verse 18 says, we're to comfort one another with this truth. This truth is to comfort us. I'm getting ready to close. Matthew 24, 40 through 42 tells us, then shall two be in the field. One shall be taken and the other left. Not everybody's going. I wish everybody was going. I do. I, I, I wish everybody loved God and, and surrendered to God. And, and then, you know, I, I, I wish even if they didn't, that, you know, everything was going to be all right and, and all, all of these things. But it says, then shall be two in the field. One's taken and the other's left. Two shall be grinding at the mill. One taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. He tells us to watch. You, you don't know. You don't know if it's going to be 2060. You don't know if it's going to be 2023. You don't know if it's going to be 2090. But what he says, if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched. Now listen, this stood out to me and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. He would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. That's not talking about a literal house. He would not have. Therefore, be ready. For in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. He's coming. Amen. He's coming. He's coming back for his church. We're going to be changed. We're going to be changed. Would you stand with me? Hallelujah. We're going to be changed. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I'm going to be changed in Jesus' name. Why don't you raise your hand and say that I'm going to be changed in Jesus' name. I'm committed to living a life that I'm going to be changed in Jesus' name. In a moment, it says, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, it's going to sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Something is going to happen. The power of God is going to happen. When we go from being, or whoever is here, goes from being humanity to being celestial, to to transferring up, to changing, 
And we're, we're gonna, there's something powerful that's going to happen when we are changed because this corruptible must put on incorruption. This corruptible and this mortal must put on in, this that's dying, this that's sick, this that has all kinds of ailments. If you, if you hadn't waited till you hit 50, you'll know what I'm talking about. Things start happening to you and, and you don't recover as quickly and all of those stuff. But this this corruptible, I know this is corruptible. I, I know this is mortal and this mortal must put on immortality. And, and, and that is a transition, that a powerful transition that is going to happen for the saints when that happens. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Can you lift your hands tonight? Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. God, help us as the body of Christ. God, to be solid in your word, Lord. To grow, God, in what you're saying to the church in this hour. What you're doing in the body of Christ, God. Oh, would you reach us. God, would you reach the house, God. Oh, Lord, would you reach those that have walked away. Would you reach those, God, that are straddling the fence right now. God, let us be committed. Let us be, Lord, stout and strong in your truth and in your word. God, let us be strong enough, God, that if we have to turn away, we have to turn away. God, that we recognize what's sin, that we recognize wrong. God, and when this world is, is going in the wrong direction, help us be a part of the church. Let us come in with a spiritual ark and be saved and save our families and save our friends and our loved ones, Lord. In this hour, we lift you up, Jesus. Oh, God. Would you lift up the Lord right now? Would you lift up the Lord right now? I want to pray for some elders. We, we, we love people. We love our families. Just lift your hands and talk to Him. But Jesus said this is a relationship about you and Him. And, and, and with that, you've got to understand that you, you try to take everybody you can take and your loved ones you pray for. But don't ever let somebody else Weaken your faith. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We exalt you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Go ahead and lift up the name of Jesus. The enemy will try to come in and trip you up however he can trip you up. But what you need most, what God needs most, what your family, what your children needs most, is for you to be solid, strong in the faith, unwavering, sold out, in love with God so much 
loving God more than anything else. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Would you just lift your hands and let him fill you for a moment? Would you lift your hands and let his spirit just move inside your